the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Thanks so much for joining us on this holiday. Josh, what are you and the family doing for the weekend and for the holiday? Well, fortunately for us, we have a, we have a family place up at Indian Lake. We're, we're up at the lake uh, remotely here calling in and uh, hopefully going to enjoy some good weather if it continues and some fireworks, hot dogs, the typical affair up at the lake. So enjoying ourselves. How about yourself? Probably nothing. There's really nothing... I can do <laughs> with, with everything with everything shut down. So I'm going to stay uh, close to home, just relax and uh, enjoy enjoy the weekend, movies and stuff like that too. Try and get out for a walk far away from people. But uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that about sound it. Bad either. Yeah. So listeners, we want you to know that if you would like a second opinion on your portfolio, if you'd like Josh to check it over, see how you're doing, call 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. Three six four seven three zero zero. So let's start off this holiday show talking about Social Security, Josh. Why is there so much drama about when to claim it? Well, I think there's two kind of opposing forces. Well, I guess one, we all want to get as much as we possibly can, right? So we want to make sure that we max, quote, max out Social Security. But there's two kind of general rules of thought on that, and that is, do I max out my cash flow? Meaning, do I wait until I'm 70 to get the most amount per month that I can possibly get? Or do I do some sort of calculation to determine that I get the most amount overall over my entire life? Meaning that I want to make sure I didn't leave any money on the table. Does it make sense to collect earlier, kind of middle of the road at full retirement age or later? And then I have to somewhat come up with a way to predict when I'm going to die. And then we all do this, or or very oftentimes I'll have clients come in and they've done a break-even analysis to say, well, if I live past this certain day, then I know I'm getting more out of Social Security than if I would have waited. And there's all these calculations that go in. And then the third piece of the puzzle, Diane, is, is it going to keep being the way that it is right now? So there's this unforeseen, you know, what's going to change? So if if I wait until I'm 70 because I know that I can maximize my Social Security over the remainder of my life by doing so... What if when I'm 74, the rules of the the rules change and they clip my wings along the way and, and reduce my Social Security? So I think there's a lot of varying factors, but I think it's different for everybody on what the real answer is. And I, I think with most 
financial decisions, everybody wants a rule of thumb. You know, what should I do? That's a common question that I get. You know, what should I be in mutual funds or ETFs? Should I collect early or late when it comes to Social Security? Should I? Everybody wants a black and white answer. And the reality is with Social Security and almost everything else, there really isn't a black or white answer. So people are left trying to do all these calculations. And fortunately, there's uh, software that can help you determine when the best way to collect Social Security is for you. But then I'm going to throw in one other snafu. And that is, how does it impact my taxes? And this is the one that's overlooked most of all. What I mean by that is you can do the calculation to determine how much money I need out of Social Security just to exist, meaning that I'd love to retire at 62, but my Social Security won't be enough at 62 to carry me. So I have to wait until I'm 66. So I have enough that I need. But now do I wait a little bit longer to maximize it even more and, and do all the break-even analysis? And I want to make sure that if I add up all the payments I would receive from 62 to if I pass away at 85 versus 70 and I pass away at 85, I don't leave any money on the table. I've done all that math, and I think I have the right answer. But then Social Security is taxed unlike any other income that I'm aware of in the tax code. And it's taxed based upon your outside income. So if you're only retired on Social Security, then you don't pay any taxes whatsoever on your Social Security. But if you have Social Security plus other sources of outside income, and other sources could be a pension, could be IRA, 401k, rental properties, you name it, any type of income that goes back into the equation actually starts drawing some of your Social Security income over into the tax column. So now you have to throw in this other wrench and say, okay, now I know I'm maxing out on pure dollars, but what about net dollars after taxes? So there's another calculation in there, and, and clients kind of, a lot of times, or, or folks in general, just throw their arms up and go, you know, well, damned if I do, damned if I don't. I don't know when I'm supposed to collect it. And it is capable math of being calculated, and, and there is a right answer in there. But the one answer that we don't have is what's it going to look like in the future? And we know that Social Security is, uh, I don't want to say it's under attack, but it's certainly an issue that politically we're going to have to deal with at some point. That some point is 2032. The trust fund current projections is going to run out. So what's that going to mean for Social Security in general? And will that impact how you decide to collect today? A lot of decisions to be made. And I think you need somebody to help you kind of guide you through the process on that so you don't miss any of at least the variables that you need to take into account. But I think the hubbub to answer your question in short form, Diane, is people just want to get as much as they possibly can and get the best deal for themselves that they possibly can. But it's very difficult to find the information to determine how do I make that decision. And uh, we've been doing this a long time and, and dug through all the, the drudgery and the the convoluted uh, website that is Social Security and, and peeled through all the tax laws to find out what are all the variables that go into account. What if I have an outside pension? Does that affect my Social Security? What if I, you know, what if I, what if I, what if I, and we've come up with uh, all the answers. So we can, we can answer those questions for you. Let's talk about if you do not collect your Social Security on time, because the, the government doesn't send you a nice letter saying, hey, you're a month away, do they? Uh, they do not, no. And the earliest that you can collect it, assuming you're not widowed or a widower, is 62. And the latest that makes any sense is 70. Uh, you can go retroactively back. So you could theoretically go in at age 66 and a half and file and say, I want to pretend that I actually started this at 66. And they will send you a lump sum check, believe it or not, for the difference between the two. So it's important that it's left up to you. You have to decide when and how. And you certainly don't want to leave money on the table, both in the calculation of when you should or just not doing it in general. 
And if you collect it at the wrong time, a real big rub that I see all the time is people will collect very early because they don't want to leave any of that money on the table, but then they go back to work. And there's an income offset to Social Security, and that's a love letter you don't want to receive. And what I mean by that is I went back to work and I made, I made too much money. And for every $2 that you make over approximately $19,000, $20,000, if you're under full retirement age, Social Security will recapture a dollar for every $2 you made over that maximum threshold before full retirement age. But the problem is it takes sometimes six months, a year, 18 months before Social Security figures it out. And you get a love letter in the mail that says, oops, our mistake, just send us $25,000 of what we paid you out over the last 12 months back and we'll call it even. That is a love letter you don't want to receive, so make sure that you, you know exactly what all the rules and regulations are so you don't find yourself in quite a jam. If you would like a second opinion on your portfolios, if you have questions about Social Security, the number to call is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. That's spelled A-P-T-U-S Wealth. And the number again, 614-364-7300. Let's talk about health care costs, Josh, planning for retirement and dealing with that. Let's talk about how important it is to have a plan together about that. Diane, you can divide health care into two types of health care. One, and I think probably what you're asking me is just normal health care expenses, meaning Medicare, co-pays, going to the doctor, going to the hospital when you're retired. But then we'll cover in a second, you know, long-term care, which is a big fear. That's that unknown, uh, obviously incredibly expensive, but we don't know that we're going to need that. We know we're going to need the, 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 the normal health care costs. I guess there's some good news and some bad news. The good news is, you know, there's kind of a bunch of uh, surveys that are out there. One is called the Employee Benefit Institute, uh, Research Institute, I believe is what it's called. And they kind of track how much out-of-pocket spending for health care costs, Medicare premiums, prescription drugs, the average 65-year-old person is going to need throughout their retirement. And the good news is they actually anticipate that total dollar amount in your retirement to be less than it was even a year ago. The bad news is it's a whole lot of money. About $125,000, $130,000 is going to be spent by the average person purely on health care premiums, out-of-pocket costs, co-pays, et cetera, during their retirement lifetime. So you figure you kind of divide that out and say it's $125,000 over maybe 25 years. You're talking four or $500 a month just in health care costs. That's a lot of money, but I have some more good news for you, and that is if you think about what you're paying for health care now, Retirement health care as it exists today, meaning Medicare plus a supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan, is actually pretty darn good. I remember hearing horror stories, you know, 20 years ago, people would talk about Medicare like you were, I'm sure you remember this, Diane, but people talked about Medicare like, oh God, when I get on Medicare, it's going to be awful. Well, health care plans over the last 20 years have gotten so bad in general that Medicare looks pretty darn good. I think the big risk is, is Medicare going to continue the way that it is right now and how do we plan for that? And the answer is we have to set aside a contingency plan in our overall retirement planning to make sure that we have something that can accommodate for that adjusting inflation rate, potentially. Something that we do in our office is whatever we forecast traditional inflation to be on your income. So let's assume that you want to retire on $5,000 a month. We're going to assume that every year you're going to need 25 or 3% more than that every single year increasing. But we assume in our office that the cost of health care 
is going to go up by probably double that. There's just too many unforeseen costs. There's too many baby boomers hitting rounding the turn. Too much litigious issues and, and you know suing of pharmaceutical companies that it's just going to add to the cost. So let's project that at a much larger inflation rate and stress the system a little bit. And then we have the ability to even you know move that around based upon what the client feels they're more comfortable with. That's just something you need to do. The downside is when we start talking about long-term care, it can get a lot more difficult to plan for. And by long-term care, I mean nursing homes, skilled care, home health care, et cetera. Those numbers are changing almost daily. If you've done any kind of looking out in the market, there used to be dozens and dozens of long-term care insurance companies. And now long-term care insurance companies have all but gone by the wayside. There's just a handful of them left. And the reason for that is they don't know how to predictably or accurately measure what their costs are going to be as an insurance company. When you look at life insurance companies, actuarially, they know if we get a bunch of people together, we have a pretty good idea how many of them, as is sad to say, but are going to die in a given year. But with long-term care, it's such an evolving animal. Nobody really knows. And the costs are skyrocketing. The amount of people that go to long-term care facilities, it was even not that long ago. I'd seen stats, you know, one in five, one in four shot of going into a long-term care facility in your lifetime. I've seen stats as high as one in two now. So how do we plan for long-term care insurance? I think that's the real issue of financial planning in the next 20 years is how do we handle should something happen to us or a loved one, we have to protect both the person going into the facility to make sure that they have adequate resources to pay for that uh, care, but we also have to pay for or have a plan to protect the surviving or the, the spouse that's not in the home to make sure that their standard of living is not compromised. And that's a much larger challenge, Diane, one that you know, we could probably spend an entire hour on, but one that we plan for in my office with both myself, you know, attorneys, accountants, what's the, the best plan of attack based upon the assets that that particular client has. But it's something that has to be addressed and one that I see under-addressed all the time. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. When we come back, Josh explains sequence of return risk. Don't forget, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays every Monday evening at 6 on 98.9 The Answer. We'll be back with more of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show in a moment. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Let's talk about sequence of return risk. Josh, what is that and how, how do we prepare for it? Uh, shy of maybe interest rates, I would say sequence of return risk is, is the biggest challenge that people facing retirement have today. And the reason why it's such a big deal, well, I guess first let's talk about what it is. Sequence of return risk is simply as it states. It's just the order in which you receive the returns and your portfolio can have a dramatic effect. How dramatic? 
I could very easily show you the same five returns in one person's portfolio over a period of time and the same exact five rates of return in somebody's portfolio over time flipped on their head, repeating 25 years over, and one person running out of money based upon their withdrawals versus the second person having more money than when they started with. And I know that may be difficult to explain here in the confines of a, of a radio program, but uh, the order in which you receive your returns is a larger predictor of your success than the overall rate of return that you achieve. So one thing, and I know I've, I've said this every single week, Diane, is every time somebody comes into my office, I always ask them the same question. Would you rather have a 10% average annual rate of return or a 5% average annual rate of return? And invariably, everybody obviously says 10. It's kind of a trick question. But you don't have enough information to predict which one is better for you. And really what we're trying to achieve uh, in that line of mm. questioning is risk-adjusted return is more important than overall rate of return because of the sequence in which your returns occur. This does not have any bearing, by the way, Diane, on when you're growing your pot of money and you're working and you're not withdrawing any money. So you're 35 years old and we always say, well, when you're younger, you can take more risk. I wish they said when you're younger, you can take more sequence of return risk. When you're older and retired and you start withdrawing money out of these accounts and you reach the income stage of your life, the order in which you receive your returns becomes profoundly important and can be so detrimental in its order that it can literally kill your plan. You know, we see common strategies, for example, on how we should withdraw our money. The very common strategies that you see is, well, I'm just going to take a static percentage meaning I start with a million dollars, I'm going to take 4% out per year, that's $40,000 a year, I'm going to adjust it for inflation, no matter what happens in the market. And as long as I stick to that 4% number, I'm not going to run out of money. That's one theory. The other theory is I'm going to take 4% of whatever I have in the account at the time. So if I start with a million and I have some great growth and it's you know, a million five, I get 60 grand that year. But then the flip side of that is if it goes down to 750, well, then I'm, it's less than 40. So you know, 25% less than 40. So that's not that great. And then, you know, we have this kind of perfect storm environment, though, which a lot of, uh, you know, people in the, the, the ivory towers and the research institutes are starting to say is 4% too much. And I have clients coming and going, is 4% too much? You know, it was 20 years ago, you told me 6% was okay, and then it went to 5%, now 4%. Now you're telling me I can only pull out 3%? If, I've, if I'm a millionaire, quote unquote, I have a million dollars, I can only live on $30,000 a year? That doesn't sound very rich. I thought a million was a lot of money. And the logic and why you're hearing uh, a lot of research institutes put out numbers like 3% is because of sequence return risk. The only way that you can plan for and protect and insulate yourself against the order in which you receive your returns is pull out a proportionally lower and lower percentage. Now, does that mean that you can only live off 3% of your money? No, absolutely not. I completely uh, disagree with that. I think you can live on more than 3% of your money each and every year. Uh, we'll show you how in my office very, very easily. But you have to have a plan in place to solve the problem that is sequence of return risk. Well, how do you do that? Nothing new, nothing exciting, no new finance here, just going back to old strategies that we talk about all the time. And that is three-legged stool approach. Sequence of return risk has a big, big bearing if your only income sources are Social Security and my stock portfolio. But what if you had a pension? Well, then your risk just went significantly down because I'm getting income from three different sources. So the impact of that sequence of return risk would be much less detrimental. Well, what if we have a four-legged stool and we throw in an annuity contract in there? What if we have rental property? We can start to diversify that risk 
and it dramatically lowers sequence of return risk. So we have to ladder our risk out. When, it, when you're talking about retirement income planning, it's about risk analysis and about managing risk more than it is about my mutual fund got X rate of return. Risk is everything. Volatility is absolutely everything. So the other issue is we have three things going on here at the same time. We have less income sources, which we can solve a little bit by adding more table legs or you know, legs to the stool. We can eliminate risk by the way that we manage money. But then where do we get our risk-free rate of return? So we have really low interest rates right now, which could add a lot of risk to our old 60-40 bond portfolio that we'll talk about later. But we also have longevity. We're living longer than we ever have, so we need our money to last longer. And then we also have a crazy level of volatility and unforeseen for inflation. So we have this perfect amalgam, this perfect storm of things that are coming our way. Not only do we have to handle that sequence of return risk, but now we got to make our money last longer. we got to deal with the lowest interest rates in the history of the government or the history of the economy. We have all these things we have to deal with. And the answer is you have to have a plan. You better have a calculated strategic plan that's going to take into account what you need and your criteria as it relates to taxes, interest rates, longevity, long-term care planning, et cetera, and you know a, methodol a, a methodical order in which to withdraw that money over time, or you're just, you're just trying. It's a hope and a dream, which I like hopes and dreams, but it's not a method, it's not a goal, it's not a plan, and your likelihood of success is probably just as good as your likelihood of failure. So you have to do the math these days. It's just too complicated of a scenario to take a just to shoot from the hip. Yeah, and to do it by yourself. You need to have a professional look after this for you and work with you. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. If you have any questions about what we've just been discussing, schedule a 15-minute call with Josh to get a second opinion on your portfolio. The number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A. APTUSWealth.com. Let's talk about pensions. What advice, Josh, do you give someone who is expecting to receive one at retirement but might be at risk of losing it? I think you hit the nail on the head, and that is at risk of losing it. You know, pensions are facing the same challenges that people are, that the average retiree is. Um, I, I don't think we think about pension, pensions kind of as a, a living, breathing organism as well, but pensions. They're dealing with low interest rates. They're dealing with market volatility. They're dealing with people living longer. And they, they're dealing with even more than the average person in that they have higher regulation. So even though they're seeing all these problems, it's a big ship and it's hard to steer. So can they make adjustments and go, we know we need to take more risk because people are living longer? Well, nope. Regulation limits that. Well, we know we need to maybe go utilize alternative asset classes to achieve safe yields because our CDs and bonds aren't doing it. Well, tough luck, you can't do that either. So they're facing some significant challenges. Now, just like I said, they're living, breathing organisms in a way, and you can view them as kind of their own person, not all are created equal. So I don't want to say that all pensions are bad. You know, Ohio PERS, for example, is one of the best run pensions in the entire country, uh, if you look statistically versus other states as a public pension. So we have some good things going for us here in Ohio, but you need to do some analysis on your individual pension, particularly if you work for a smaller company and you're one of the fortunate few that still has a pension. 
you need to do some analysis and say, you know, is this too much risk for me to take? Because pensions can absolutely go away. And I'm sure we all know somebody who has had their pension either reduced or completely eliminated and it threw quite the wrench into the retirement gear as they were, you know, a couple of years into retirement. So do some analysis on your individual pension and, and our office can certainly help you on that. There's sources that we can go online and and look at the actual balance sheets of pensions. Do people have a choice with their pension at work? I mean, if it's performing poorly and you look at it, what options do they have? You know, you do some analysis. Almost all pensions have options, and those options can range from what we're all usually pretty familiar with. You know, I take a single life pension option, which means I get this income for the rest of my life, assuming that the pension is around for the rest of my life. And then when I die, nobody gets anything. But it does pay for the rest of my life, so there's a a really good guarantee there, uh, assuming the pension stays around. Secondly, I could pick uh, my life plus my spouse's, or I could pick my life plus guaranteed somebody gets paid for 10 years, and there's this myriad of options. But then there's also some lump sum options, meaning that rather than take a pension at all, how much money will you give me to roll into my own self-directed IRA? Now, sometimes that makes sense, and sometimes it doesn't. Clearly, if nobody in your family has ever lived past 75 years old, and you're 70 years old retiring, and somebody and the, the options are we're going to give you two grand a month or $500,000, it's pretty easy to do the math and say the lump sum probably suits my life a little bit better than taking the monthly payout option. But if you have a really strong history of longevity and you go, nobody in my family's ever died below before 100, well then, you know, that lifetime income has more value predicated on the fact that your pension is a solid pension. It's just like everything else uh, in this scenario of retirement income planning and that you have to look at your individual scenario, you have to look at your individual options and plans and see how it best fits you. There is no standard one-size-fits-all and the biggest thing that I hear all the time, and this frustrates me to no end, this business is one of the few businesses in the entire world that people will hear something in an elevator from somebody they don't know and base their life on it. Same with stock picks, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, could you imagine if you were in an elevator and you were you just got diagnosed with cancer and some guy in an elevator said, well, my uncle had cancer and he had this particular type of chemo and it worked for him. And you go to your doctor and go, well, you know, I'm just going to go take this chemo because it worked for this guy in the elevator. But people will do that notoriously with financial planning. They'll go, you know, well, you know, I know this guy at work and he took this pension option and he did all the math and it made sense. So that's what I'm going to do. It doesn't mean it makes sense for you. It just means that maybe or maybe not the math made sense for that particular person. But we don't even know of that to be true. So by all means, seek out a professional who can help you, guide you through. All we do in my business is give you your options and show you the logical path of decision making. It's not that complicated. You just don't always know the right questions to ask. So we will lay out these are the questions that you need to ask here's the math that needs done to achieve the desired result for you and then how empowering is that diane then you know i completely exhausted all of my options i know exactly what the best one is i know that i'm not leaving anything on the table that i should have been i didn't miss something because we all have a fear of that right buyer's remorse well I, i picked this pension option now i'm stuck with it for the rest of my life I don't know if I did all the math right. I don't know if I picked the right choice for me. At least know what your choices are and know that you analyzed it as much as you possibly could and you can rest assured that you made the right decision. The number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. When we come back, why the first five years of your retirement is critical. 
Don't forget, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays every Monday evening at 6 on 98.9 The Answer. We'll be back with more of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show in a moment. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, I hear the first five years of retirement are the most critical. Do you agree? And and why is that the case? Yes, I do agree. And I think logically, here's why. If if you knew you were going to die in five years, the planning is pretty easy, right? I mean, I have $100,000, 20 grand a year. I don't even need to make any money, and I'm good. Um, the problem is we have a longer runway than that. So we don't know exactly how long we're going to live, but we do know that the first five years can be hypercritical for a myriad of reasons. Number one, if we start off, typically the first five years are your most expensive. You're the healthiest you're probably going to be for the remainder of your life. You're going to take all those trips that you've been planning on taking the year that you're the years in the early years that you retire for your entire working career. If there's something that you want done on the house, you're probably going to do that. So you don't have to worry about that for the rest of your life. So it, it's without question, uh, almost invariably, the most expensive five years of your life. So let's couple. We don't know how long we're going to live. Our first five years are exponentially more expensive than the remainder, remainder of our life. And then insert extreme volatility. We talked about sequence of return risk earlier, and maybe we didn't conquer that yet. Typically, as people, we end up learning from our mistakes. I can't tell you how many times I've had folks come into my office five years after retirement. They spent more money in the first five years than they plan on spending for the rest of their life, and they just happened to do that during 2008-2009, uh, recent COVID drop. Uh, go back to 2001, 2002. We can keep on going back. It seems like about every six or eight years, there's going to be a, a quite significant downturn. And if you throw that significant downturn in with taking out more money, we talked about sequence of return risk. You can see the dramatic impact that that could have on the remainder of your assets for the rest of your life. And if you didn't plan correctly and you didn't take into account that sequence of return risk and that volatility and increase in income need in those first five years, it can set you down a path that you can't reverse. You will live on less money for the rest of your life, whether you want to or not. It's too late. And I know that sounds dramatic and, and terrible. and But it's you know, true. Kinda, it's true. There's, there's, you don't have an infinite amount of time to regain and to recoup. If you're 25 years old and you make some missteps, you have 40 more years to fix the problem. If you're 70 years old and you make some missteps, you don't have that much time, and you don't have an income. You can't just say, well, I'll start saving a little bit more money now to accommodate for my mistake. That ship has sailed, so you better get it right initially. And that's things that we can calculate and we can take into account early on, but you got to do the math early on. you got to do the planning early on. And uh, unfortunately, that's just sometimes not the way that, that we learn. And it's important before you're retired to contact a professional to set you on the right path. For sure. I think, you know, if you're 10 years, five years out, definitely if you're on the one yard line, get a second opinion. Have somebody, even if it doesn't end up making sense for you, if the relationship with a financial planner or a, a fiduciary or a broker, whoever you want to work with, um, obviously I'm on the leaning side of a fiduciary, which we can talk about why I think you should go that direction, but get with somebody whom you can trust, who can lay out the information for you 
whether you decide to move forward in that relationship or not, at least understand the questions you should be asking yourself. The relationship of a fiduciary is one that you know that they have your best interests in mind. You know that they're not trying to sell you products. You know that they're trying to look at your individual scenario from a perspective of what makes the most sense for you. So you know that you're sitting on the same side of the table with them and they're not selling you anything. So you're actually gaining advice that you can take to the bank. You know that it's the advice that's in your best interest. So I, I highly recommend you start there. Aptus Wealth has the Aptus Retirement Blueprint process. So when you give them a call, Josh, let's go through all the steps that you go through with a potential client to see if you guys are a good fit. Yeah, so we have a process and the process is important because the process makes sure, like we were talking about before, that we don't miss anything, that we cover every question that should be asked so that we can get all the answers that we need. Because if we miss one, it can be detrimental in the long run. So step one, let's find out, let's ask all the right questions. We call it kind of the fact-finding mission or the, uh, the, the info-gathering day, where we're just going to find out everything that we can possibly find out about you, what your goals are, what assets you have to achieve those goals, what are your savings rates currently, everything we could possibly know about your financial life and your hopes and dreams moving forward in retirement. Day two, we're going to analyze all of that data and say, if you continue down the path that you're on, this is what the picture looks like. What are some speed bumps along that road that might get in your way? Do, have you planned for long-term care? Have you planned for sequence and return risk? Have you planned for low interest rates? And if you haven't, it's going to be very glaringly obvious when we start doing the forecast and the analysis phase. Step three, we call the blueprint. And the blueprint is us covering all of those shortfalls. So all of those gaps, all those holes, all those you know, arrows missing the target, how do we address those? to make sure that we can alleviate the potential problems and that those cause. By meeting four, we have now decided, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Would we be a good fit? Do you want to implement that blueprint? We will not take on a client until we round that turn and we, meet, we get to meeting four. At that point, now we talk about what are the things that we're going to do moving forward. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. The number is 614-364-7300. Again, it's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. And Josh, we were talking about making sure that people, when they talk to a financial advisor, are fiduciaries. What other questions do you suggest our listeners ask when looking for a financial advisor? You know, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, one, people don't know that you can find out about people on the internet. It's this amazing thing. So there is no running anymore. The cat's out of the bag. So first thing would be Google the financial professional, whether they're a broker, fiduciary, et cetera, just Google them, see what comes up. Go on FINRA's website and the SEC website and find out if they have any compliance or regulatory issues. I, I would also recommend you ask them and then look it up and see if they told you the truth. But find out what is their track record been? You know, have they been in the business a long time? Have they had complaints? Have they had any fiduciary or, or compliance regulatory issues? You can find all that out very easily. But you'd be surprised how few people actually do that necessary digging. You're handing over your life savings to be managed and to be guided by this individual. It's worth 30 minutes worth of researching on the internet. Next, I would say, you know, what is the area of specialization of that particular financial professional? Meaning, do you work with anybody? Do you have minimum asset sizes? Do you specialize in any one area of the market? For example, we specialize in retirement income planning. 
I do not specialize in college planning or disability planning, for example. But there are people that specialize just in disability planning. And I think somebody who says, I just do it all, the industry is a little too complicated to do it all these days. You really want somebody that focuses on a particular area that meets your needs. Otherwise, they're spreading themselves too thin. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, there's so many regulatory issues. uh, There's so many issues surrounding just, let's take one thing that we talked about earlier today, social security. There are so many elements of social security that if you're trying to memorize all of those elements and how they apply to an individual, and also all of the things that would go into a FAFSA form for college planning, and all the things that would go into, I mean, you just start adding all this stuff together. There's just no possible way, unless you have a completely photographic memory, that you could possibly remember all of those things. So focus on an area, and we're purely in the retirement income planning area, and that comprises very specific things that we do very well. And then what's the standard of care, or you know, that's kind of a medical term, but what, what can I expect when I work with you moving forward? How often do we get together? If I call you, what's a reasonable amount of time to get a call back? I hear all the time, you know, I, I was working with somebody, and I'd call them, and I'd be lucky to get a call back in a week. Well, I don't know if that's a reasonable amount of time for you. It's not for our office, but if it's reasonable for you, then at least you know. But ask, what can I expect moving forward? And we covered this one earlier, too. Are they a fiduciary? Or are they a broker? And that answers a lot of questions in and of itself. And that does not mean that brokers are bad and that all fiduciaries are good, but it does mean that the rules of the game dictate certain things that they can do. And quite simply put, fiduciaries are held to a higher standard of care and a higher standard of making sure that they're doing what's in your best interest than brokers. The end. It's just the way that the, it's the, way that the, the rules of the game are set up. So in my professional opinion, go to a fiduciary. Then, and this is one that people are always really hesitant to ask, but I think it's important because you should work with somebody who's utterly and completely transparent, but nobody wants to ask, how are you paid? Now, I don't know that there's a perfect way to pay your financial professional, but you should know how they're paid and you should know that based upon the way that they're paid, that puts you on the same side of the table as them. Meaning, do they make more money if I make more money or do they make the same amount of money whether they lose my money or make my money? make me more money. And I would certainly want to be in a situation, a symbiotic relationship where I know that if I do better, they do better. That's good. That gives them motivation to want to do better for me. So know how they're paid. So Josh, I'm going to ask you, how are you paid? We're paid an asset fee. So absolutely, just like I said, we don't charge planning fees, although my next comment that I was going to bring up is, do they do comprehensive planning? So we'll come back to that. Uh, We do comprehensive planning, but we don't charge for it. We get paid an asset fee. It's a flat fee. So I am not uh, biased in any recommendation one way uh, versus the other. The only way that I make more money for you is making sure that I make you more money. I will not make any more money on your money unless I make you more money. And the flip side of that, which I think is very critical in income planning, the way that I make a lot less money on portfolios is if I lose people money. So we just said that one of the most critical things in retirement planning is mitigating, minimizing, reducing sequence of return risk, reducing downside, managing risk. We have to do that well, because if we don't do it well, I make a heck of a lot less money. So the last thing I want to do is watch your portfolio go down by 20%, because my income goes down by 20%. We want to make sure we manage that and achieve consistent, consistent, consistent returns. Lastly, comprehensive planning. Everything we've ever talked about on this show since we started was about the value of comprehensive planning, not products, not a, just a, an amalgam of nonsense, 
but an actual plan. Does this person that you're considering working with do comprehensive planning? And by comprehensive planning, I don't mean they asked me how much money I had and they said, as long as I keep it to 4%, I'm good. That is not comprehensive planning. That's one rule in a textbook with 30 textbooks behind it. You got to make sure that you've taken everything into account. How robust is their financial planning practice? Do they take into account taxes, my social security, my pension, long-term care, sequence of return risk? What happens if interest rates go down? Do they stress test my situation? What would have all the what ifs? I want to make sure I have all the what ifs covered, all the gotchas. There's no guarantees in life, but I want to make sure that I'm as bulletproof as possible for the next 25 years of my life because there's no do-overs. So I want to make sure that I have every base covered. And I think if you go through those things, do they have any issues? Have they been dinged for anything in the past? How are they paid? Are they specializing in what I'm looking for them to do for me? Is their planning completely and utterly comprehensive? And are they aligned with me in the way that they're compensated? If you answer all those questions and it's a really good emotional fit, I think that's a great person for you. Let me give you Josh's number, the Aptis Wealth Management Office number, so you can schedule your own personalized planning session with Josh. We call it the Aptis Blueprint Process. The phone number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. Josh's website is aptiswealth.com, and you can join Josh every Monday evening for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back, 6040 Portfolios. Don't forget, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays every Monday evening at 6 on 98.9 The Answer. We'll be back with more of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show in a moment. Create a successful retirement plan in today's economy. It takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. Or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614 364 7300. That's 614 364 7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, what does it mean to have a 60 40 portfolio? And is it is this something we should have? The 60-40 portfolio simply means that you have 60% of your money in stock or equity-based investments and 40% of your money in bond or interest-based investments. This strategy has kind of been the age-old philosophy of as time goes on, 20 years old, I have 100% of my money in stocks or maybe 80% in stocks and 20% in bonds. And then as time goes on, I slowly ratchet away from stocks and ratchet towards bonds. And the ideology behind this 60, 40, 80, 20, 20, 80, you know, insert uh, uh, an allocation model is that as stocks do poorly, bonds tend to prop up the portfolio because they're a safer asset class. And on the flip side, as interest rates are low, that typically is good for the stock market and stocks will do well. So there's kind of this, you know, yin and yang of risk adjustment in there. And over time, actually, if you look over the last 20 years or so, a 60-40 portfolio has actually done as well or better 
than 100% stock allocation with a lot less risk and volatility, particularly if you look at like 2008. 2008, uh, having a 60-40 stock bond portfolio really saved you from a lot of the drops in the stock market. That does not necessarily mean that it's worked over the last 20 years, so it's going to work forever. And let me explain the risk that I see with it today. It doesn't mean that it's not going to work moving forward. It very much could, but it doesn't, it's not a guarantee. And here's why. The 40% bond allocation has propped up the stock market allocation in downtimes because interest rates have been favorable for bonds. And what I mean by that is interest rates and bond values are inversely proportional or they go the opposite directions. So as interest rates fall, bonds go up. The downside is the flip side of that is true. As interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So if you think back over the last 20 years, interest rates have done nothing but go down essentially for the last 20 years. So this has been a very favorable environment for bonds. And they have certainly propped up stock portfolios in downtimes. But now insert COVID-19 is even crazier to think of. If you would have told me three months ago, four months ago, that interest rates would go down even further, nobody would agree with you. But anybody that's in the real estate market can tell you that interest rates on 30-year fixed mortgages drop below 3%, which is crazy. I, I can't fathom a bank loaning us money to buy a house over 30 years at less than 3%, but it happened. But because they're so low, it kind of puts us in a position where there's really nowhere for them to go but stay the same or go up. Well, let's analyze what would happen if those two cases were true. If they stay the same, that means bonds are going to be earning next to nothing, 1%, 2 3%. If they go up, if interest rates go up, that means it's going to be unfavorable for bonds, which means bonds aren't going to favor well either. So you have three choices. You can either really hope that interest rates continue to fall, in which case, good for you, your bonds are going to do well. But the other two scenarios that could happen is they stay the same, in which case you earn basically nothing, or interest rates go up, in which case it's really unfavorable for your bond allocation, and that allocation is the one that you're really hoping props up your whole portfolio in the event of market volatility, which has been darn near unprecedented. I mean, market volatility over the last four months, if you've looked at your 401k statements or your IRA statements, you've certainly seen a heck of a lot of market volatility. So the challenge moving forward is how do we handle increased longevity, low interest rates, the potential of inflation increasing over time, market volatility, et cetera. I think longevity is the big one. And I think that there are some solutions that can solve that problem that aren't quite as traditional as they're more traditional than bonds that have been around just as long, but ones that haven't been necessarily in as much favor when bonds were doing well, but now look really, really favorable. So you have to solve the bond piece of the portfolio to ensure your income plan. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, we, you were talking about the 40% and bonds being at a low interest rate. How do we, how do we solve that? Well, I think there's a couple of ways. And I, I think two of them kind of line up perfectly for a longevity solution. And what I mean by that is you have interest rates, you know, really, really low bond allocations historically over time, you're really only hoping to get four or 5% out of them anyway. And then you're hoping your stock positions do eight or 9%, which kind of lands you in that six to seven blended average, which is what most people, uh, you know, if you look at all the Academy of Smart People and all the research institutes, they're all saying, if you can achieve a 6% um, risk adjusted rate of return with limited volatility over time, 
that you should last in retirement with reasonable withdrawal rates. So what we're trying to do is replace that bond allocation that's currently earning. I mean, look at the T-bills are down in the ones and twos. We need to figure out a way to bolster that up to the three, four, five percent range. But on top of that, we also need to have a solution that would solve for longevity. One of the, the greatest things of our, of our days today is that we live a lot longer. And one of the most challenging things for retirement is that we live a lot longer. People 30, 40 years ago didn't have to plan for near as long a retirement. And if there's one thing that I hear every single time somebody comes into my office, it's their greatest fear is being a burden on their kids because they run out of money or being a burden on their kids because they didn't handle long-term care. But let's talk about the running out of money part. Uh, I mean, imagine making it to the ripe old age of 95 and running out of money. I mean, you got enough problems. You're trying to live at 95, let alone running out of money. I've, I've so made it to make 50 sure and done that. Just kidding. You can that out. <laughs> well done. You know, how can we kind of knock out two birds with one stone? Well, one is we can't tie our fixed piece of the portfolio directly to the bond market. So we have to look somewhere else. But we want to achieve that 3 to 5% range, and we want to put, it would be great if we could then add some sort of element to it that would make sure we never ran out of money. So is there some sort of longevity protection? And the answer there is something called a fixed indexed annuity. Now, I hear these, quite frankly, sold or oversold based upon the wrong parameters, in my opinion. You'll hear oftentimes people talk about fixed indexed annuities, and they go, oh, it's better than the stock market. It's better, better. That's not, we're comparing it to the wrong thing. A fixed index annuity is just that. It is a fixed annuity. It is tied to the performance of the stock market, but that does not mean that it is going to outperform or perform similarly to the stock market because there's no risk. And anytime an insurance company says you're not going to have any risk involved whatsoever, you best believe that you're not going to have as much reward either. So let's just throw that out. That's a common argument that I hear of. But let's assume that it actually averages 4 or 5% over the next 10 years. They also have added benefits to them that if you decide to, you can take a lifetime income payout for the rest of your life. Now, not all these are created equal, Diane. There's a lot of crap out there. Be very careful to pick the right one. And when I say there's a lot of variety and a lot of disparity between the products, I mean a lot. You'll see one that has no validity whatsoever and is, quite frankly, just a, a, a commission lovers dream. And then you have more fiduciary based products that make a lot of sense for clients. So what I'm talking about is imagine if you could grow your money from an income basis, even if I earned four, my money grows at six. And then when I reach some sort of retirement age, then I can end up pulling off 5%, four and a half, five and a half percent, somewhere in there, depending upon your age for not only my life, but me and my spouse's life for the rest of both of our lives, no matter how long we both shall live. And it'll adjust at an inflation rate over time. Well, now if we compare that to the bond market paying two and 3%, all I have to do is earn three or four and my money grows at four to six. It provides an income stream for the rest of my life I can't outlive and my wife can't outlive and it adjusts for inflation. And then the other gotcha that I hear is, well, what if I die early? The insurance company keeps all my money. Now they thought of that too you still have a residual value unless you've effectively peeled through all of your money, which how happy would you be if you said, I've, I've spent all my money and the insurance company is still paying me. So I think we have to look to some uncommon maybe solutions that you wouldn't have looked at before to solve problems that we didn't have before because interest rates weren't where they are. So there are solutions out there, Diane. They add stability to the portfolio. I think they're even better than bonds because they're 100% guaranteed. 
you're essentially adding that third table leg back to the stool that people don't have because most people don't have pensions. You're building your own pension, adding stability, boosting yield, and guaranteeing income for the rest of your life. Something you really need to take a look at. And I think with the bad reputation annuities have gotten, we can't emphasize enough that that is not the case any longer. Yeah, I think, you know, we were talking about how people get advice in the in the elevator earlier. You know, I'm not saying there aren't bad annuities out there. There certainly are. And, and you know, I'm not captain annuity by any means, but I do use tools where they make <laughs> sense. I hear my... I just imagined my, you with a cape on there for a second, yeah, with yeah. the big A on the back. Yeah, I keep it in the drawer. But, you know, I hear these these things like, well, my, my, you know, uncle's brother's cousin had an annuity and it was a terrible scenario for him. Well, we don't know his scenario. We don't know his annuity. We don't know what the purpose was. We don't know anything. We don't even know if it was a fixed variable index. We, we don't know anything. So you can't discredit. I'd be like saying my uncle had a bad Ford, so all cars are bad. Well, no, uh, and I'm not picking on Ford here, but he had one bad car. Um, you have to do your own research, and they have a tremendous amount of validity in today's economy, and they make a lot of sense for a lot of people. So don't discredit them all together. Let's take a look at your scenario. Maybe you need one, maybe you don't, but don't rule it out. And what are the ones that you favor? And it's it's individual. It's individualized to each person's person's case. And I know we went over this on a previous show, but what annuities have you invested in? I personally have a fixed indexed annuity, and I have a very low cost fiduciary based fee based variable annuity. A- again, that does that mean that I think everybody should have a variable and a fixed indexed annuity? No. Does it make a lot of sense for my particular scenario for the uses that I wanted them for? Yes, I can mathematically calculate why a low-cost fee-based variable annuity is better than owning a non-qualified mutual fund for me. But that doesn't mean that it makes sense for anybody else. And I'm certainly not going to tell you which companies are products because I don't want to give them free advertising. But um, not all companies are created equal and not all products are created equal. And I'll certainly tell you which ones, you know, when we talk individually, I'll certainly tell you which ones are, are better than others. But I don't want to knock any others on the on the line either. But there are some that are not good. But there's also a lot of mutual funds and stocks that aren't that good either. You know, I mean, Enron didn't do so hot. So there's there's bad, bad and good all across the board in every financial sector of the world. Great information. Thank you, Josh. Besides the weekend, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. That is 6 p.m. And you can catch us every weekend here at the same time. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. And the website is aptuswealth.com. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a safe and enjoyable holiday weekend. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.